This isn't a side stream technology. This isn't something that's niche or something that's emerging. It's, it's fully entrenched now. So I have zero background in science. We do a lot of like, panels women in different industry panel sessions as part of this organization I run. A driving force that maybe people in other industries don't have right now, which is really cool. Brilliant. And I think it's, as you said, it will be an evolving story. So it will everyone... be an evolving story. <laughs> so watch the space. Watch the space. <laughs> exactly. No, there's a lot of excitement. Hi, Phoebe. Good to see you. Hi. So lovely to see you, Simon, <laughs> in person. Absolutely. And yeah, maybe just a bit of context for our listeners. We're currently in London. There's the Financial Times Future of the Car Summit happening in the same building. We're just above. And um, yeah, very delighted to have Phoebe with me. Um, we're going to have a bit of a conversation about, you know, maybe a bit of battery careers, you know, battery markets, anything we fancy. You know, it's a new format. We're on the road now. Instead of, you know, being zoomed into all of our different homes, now we're actually going to places. Very delighted to have Phoebe with us today. So Phoebe, you may want to introduce yourself a bit to our listeners. Yeah, definitely. Um, my name is Phoebe. I'm based in London. I currently work in Fast Markets, um, which is at the fore a price reporting agency, but we also have a huge battery research team and we produce long-term forecasts on the key metals that go into batteries, but I also am in charge of kind of the outlook for batteries. So the demand in the majority, so EVs, energy storage systems, but then also the trends, right? So chemistries, what are we seeing with um, the latest R&D? And yeah, just come off the bat of our huge conference in Singapore, so meeting all the big players, which was really inspiring and gave me a lot of food for thought along a lot of different, a lot of avenues we can probably discuss over the next couple yeah. of minutes. But yeah, just, it was really um, awe-inspiring because there's just so much conversations going on across the value chain, right? And mm. I think everybody's realized now that this isn't a side stream technology. This isn't something that's niche or something that's emerging. It's it's fully entrenched now. So I think that was um, the most interesting realization I think we collectively got to there, which was cool, which I'm sure that you're also contributing to that. Mm. No, that's fascinating. I think maybe yeah, the two topics I would love maybe to dive into a bit is one, like what got you excited about the battery industry, like yeah. yourself, because I think yeah, when you joined, maybe also a bit of your journey, how how it went there. Yeah. And then maybe the second we can talk about some of your yeah, you know, takeaways maybe from the Singapore conference and all yeah. I mean, so I have zero background in science, and I think that's um, I always like to tell people that when I go to schools, um, we do a lot of like, panels, women in different industry panel sessions as part of this organisation I run, and. Um, I think there's this importance now in education that your university degree is is related to the job you do. And I actually think the reality of the world that we live in is that a lot of people do jobs that are very separate from what we studied. So I actually did a humanities-oriented degree. I did a master's in international relations at the LSE. Um, and I was really drawn to political risk because I was um, very politically oriented. And uh, I ended up starting off at Fitch Solutions as an autos analyst, doing like political risk there, industry risk. And obviously the biggest conversation for me that I was really drawn to was this battery conversation. Um, initially I was drawn to it in a conversation of, you know, what risks are, are companies being exposed to? And this was mainly in the upstream, right? So the procurement of metals, metal pricings, the volatility that we experienced over the last 24 months has been insane. <laughs> and um, I just got really fascinated by it all. It was a world that um, I didn't know anything about. And I think that novelty really drew me in initial, initially. Um, but I think it's this dual conversation between, yes, advancing the green transition and, and kind of the moral and ethical line that I personally am really drawn to it in that um, kind of area. 
but also um, the research and analytics I do on the day-to-day. This is very much new ground. And I think you can probably relate to that with your PhD, right? We're, we're all doing work that we're, do, we're venturing into ev- avenues that people haven't really explored. And there are also avenues that are um, broadly unknown. So even when I put out forecasts and I meet with other people doing forecasts, we're all building off of assumptions. And I think it's most interesting when we have those conversations and we realize our different problem-solving techniques to try and bridge those gaps. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's a really new, exciting space to be in. And especially for young people, I think, um, we have this added layer of the green transition conversation that I was relating to earlier that I think for me individually provides a driving force that maybe people in other industries don't have right now, which is really cool. Mm. Thanks for sharing that. And I think one thing we also have been covering right in the podcast is to exactly see all these different profiles. And I think one thing we also have been quite vocal about is that you know there's probably a space for everyone yeah. doesn't really matter i think often people yeah. think to go into the battery industry you have been you know student in batteries or do whatever you yeah. know maybe tech field but i think as you say there's so many different avenues yeah. and all of them are actually so needed to make transition happen yeah so just a, another invitation for the listeners please you know consider this field because it's fascinating yeah. it really can come in from any field 100 it's so fascinating like i, I honestly i hated science in school mm. <laughs> i was awful at science um And so I never imagined doing a job like this. And I go home to my partner as a mechanical engineer and like, he's just, I'm coming home with all this discussion about the massive detail on battery chemistries and how they operate. And he's just like, this is mad that, you know, you're doing this and you did a history degree. So yeah, I just, I think it's a really important conversation to have. And I think because we're a nascent industry, we're not really having it yet. I don't think that we're at the point yet where we're, me and you were talking about this earlier, going into schools, speaking to kids about the battery industry, you know, it's quite, it's quite opaque still. I think, I, I don't think it's very clear what that means. Um, so yeah, I just think it's, it's really important and it's so, it's so interesting. The geopolitical conversation as well, I think, yeah, can draw people in and that's what really probably got me drawn in. Fascinating, yeah. I think that's good, right? You have to find your angle and maybe like what could be done to get more people? I mean, one thing was spoke about, right? Like how to get more diversity into the battery sector, mm, get more women involved. Yeah. Like maybe what are some of the barriers, you know, we could, you know, break down or kind of make it more enticing or more, you know, inviting for like less represented backgrounds right now to actually join? Yeah, I th- really good point. And you and I were talking about it earlier because your group is doing this work in real time. And I think some of the stuff that you guys are doing um, is has tangible impact so as me and you spoke about and the rule that you keep to yourself um you know you don't make sure that events are balanced um i think there is research everywhere that shows and you've seen it in real life if you have um if you can see who you want to be that has a a real impact for young women trans and non-binary people's lives um and i think that that's really important in an industry right now that's very nascent and quite corporate um, that we, if we can do that early on, I think that would be really, really advantageous. Um, I think the other thing to be doing as well, and me and you are trying to have early stages conversations in this, but really early on, you know, connecting people in this space to provide them with allies, whether they be male, female, or any other gender, um, to be overt in our um, reflection that the space maybe isn't as balanced as it could be. I think just having that level of honest conversation is quite refreshing. Um, There's no point in hiding behind false narratives. Like if we realize that it needs to be more balanced, then we can recognize those issues much early on and tackle them with the energy that we have to do so. Um, So those would be my early stages and just having events and spaces where people can 
you know, be joyful about what we're doing, be excited about what we're doing and, you know, have those conversations at the same time. It doesn't need to be at the sidelines and separate. We can have networking events and events, you know, like the FT, you know, speaking about really exciting events in the battery space, but also bring into that conversations on gender and balance and, you know, inclusivity. So those would be probably my few ways that we could probably get to doing that. Brilliant. And I think it's, yeah, as you said, it will be an evolving story. So it will everyone, be an evolving story. <laughs> so watch the space. Watch the space. <laughs> exactly. No, there's a lot of excitement. Um, great. And I think, as you said, I think also Benson providing safe spaces and also Better and Baby's book about, right, to kind of bring yeah, people together and feel like they can actually open up mm. and really share some experience. We shared some before, but mm. we'll probably leave some of them to another day. And as exactly. you said, there's, there's yeah. more to come. Maybe now just in interest of time as well, maybe because yeah. you mentioned the conference, you were just in Asia. and mm-hmm. I haven't been in Asia till this year, didn't make it over, but I heard a lot of really fascinating stories yeah. already. So I'm just curious to get your take, your thoughts, your so, takeaways. So honestly, I learned more in those three days than I had probably. I only started at Fast Markets in December, but more, yeah, I learned more there in the last uh, than I have in the last four months. Um, it is, I mean, the biggest takeaway, obviously, and this is quite evident to everybody, is it is the centerpiece of the market. Like, you can't you can't not be in Asia um, and try and understand or report or analyze the battery industry. You just can't. Um, two biggest things that struck me, I think, um, first one was the view from the upstream in China is totally different from external partners. So we had this very interesting situation where we had a um, presentation by an analyst at Traxxas, which is a, um, a trading company. And they were saying that um, inventories for lithium are super high right now. And they're expecting that to extend over the next couple of months, which will keep prices low. We then had an Australian miner come on who said, um, an expletive I won't repeat, but said there's a load of rubbish. And that we're not seeing that in our kind of Western-centric European analysis. So I think... Um, I think that's an issue that the industry is facing is trying to map the information channels and it will really benefit individuals who can have that kind of spread of information across those two markets, um, two spaces, West and East, to be honest. Um, So that was really interesting to me. Um, The second thing was I moderated a panel on India, which is a super exciting space that I actually think nobody's really talking about, both in the energy storage system segment, but also in the EV segment. So the breadth of government policy that's being rolled out in those spaces is really enticing companies to grow. Um, and I think actually one of the panel members and I were agreeing on the fact that energy storage there probably is going to grow quicker than the EV space, um, simply because of the policy, but also the amount, um, the ease at which companies are rolling out kind of grid extensions and they have a really, really advantageous um, and accelerated renewable energy growth policy in the country. They're trying to reach 150 gigawatts by 2030. Um, so, I mean, on that basis, it's a really cool space to be, but to marrying that conversation with something that I spoke to companies about operating there, they said, you know, no one's really talking about us. No one's really looking at us. And I think there is a lot of marginalization going on there. I think people look at the Indian market and think it's either not developed enough or it doesn't have the right infrastructure. And we're seeing, I don't know if you've seen the growth of electric two and three wheelers there, but it's the fastest growing market in the world. Um, And that just shows that there is appetite there. There is demand. You know, we shouldn't be looking at markets that are quote unquote less developed and be saying, oh, there's less of an opportunity there for batteries or investment upstream. Um, So for me, something that I took away as, yeah, something that I want to keep, something I want to hold myself accountable to doing is... um, 
paying more attention to these markets that we group in this rest of world category. Because actually, it's a disadvantage to us in the battery industry. We're ignoring opportunities and growth in these markets by saying, oh, they're, they're just all this collective group versus China, Europe, and US. And I think as an analyst, uh, yeah, the mark I want to hold myself to is diversifying that field and making sure that different spaces have uh, have voices and we analyze them accurately. So those are my two biggest takeaways from the conference. There's a lot more we could talk yeah, about. Yeah, <laughs> sure. No, but no, but I really appreciate saying it. And I think, to be honest, like I couldn't agree more because I think that's the same, you know, part of the philosophy we have also about resources, yeah. but really thinking about exactly, right, that there's 190 countries or more to, to you know, to... to to support, right? And, mm. everyone. and I think actually what you mentioned about India, it's fascinating because we have a similar thought about yeah. it. And um, so there was some, we did some panel and also with KPMG and others. I know it's quite a bit of work in the space, but um, actually at this battery day also we have um, on the 21st of September, we have a panel on Asia focus. And this year we actually nice. on India. We already brought some big names there. Oh, amazing. Um, so and there's, yeah, there's a lot happening in the space. And yeah. also in our team, there's a lot of excitement about it. And we have seen a lot of interest. So um, yeah, so that's why I couldn't agree more, so hopefully we also hear some great insights there as well in September. Yeah, cool. That's really exciting. Hopefully I'll be there. <laughs> Absolutely too. Brilliant. I think in interest of time. In interest of time. There's so much going on. There's so much going on. I'm, I'm sure it will be the last conversation. And uh, no, yeah, thanks so much. We really Thank appreciate you so much. It. Thank you. It's great. Thank you. And thanks also, my one last thing, to the Financial Times and the FT Live to write the room. Yes. Um, for the future of the car summit and you know, giving us some, some nice setting here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys.